Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at PrecisionHydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. We're also brought to you by FoodCell.co.uk. The next generation of top tube nutritional carriers for your bike designed to allow endurance triathletes and cyclists to carry enough food and gels while allowing easy access. Check it out at foodcell.co.uk. And finally, we're brought to you by teamoxygenatic.com triathlon coaching. Helping hundreds of age group triathletes see huge improvements in their 70.3 and Ironman performances. The time training system makes sure that you get the important training done each week in a way that complements the rest of your life. And hello, everybody. Welcome to our Ironman UK Super Duper Bumper Special this week. We've got loads on, haven't we, Hells? We've been busy beavers in the background. We have been very busy beavers in the background. It's only a week since it was Ironman UK. I was up in Bolton for the run. And um, yeah, we've been doing lots of interviews this week to bring you a whole, I'd say, taste, a bit of colour from, from the race. We have indeed. We've got men's and women's winners, Brian Fogarty and Emma Hatz is coming up, as well as an interview with race director Sam Braun. And also a little clip with local age grouper Paul Fisher. We've got results from Ironman Victoria, Ironman Switzerland, and the results from WTS Edmonton. So, yeah, exciting times, Hells. We're obviously a little bit late with the results from UK because we were we were mixed up with a pre-record after Ironman UK itself. But we've done you proud this week, listeners, with, with all the goss from the winners and the race director. So let's jump right in, shall we, Hells? I think we shall do that. Let's jump right in. We've got a few bits and bobs of results to go over before we get started. First up, shout out to sponsors Precision Hydration. You can get yourself £9.99's worth of Precision Hydration with the code OxygenAddict. Get over to precisionhydration.com and take that online sweat test. It's going to be super important if you're racing at the Outlaw this weekend to be hydrated looking at the weather forecast. It's, it's going to be, be really hot, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know it's forecast to be 32 degrees centigrade here in the northwest on Tuesday, Hells? Yes, I do know that. Yeah. So, so hopefully the heat wave will pass before Outlaw full Nottingham this coming weekend. But it looks like it's going to be blue skies and bright sunshine and there's not a huge amount of shade. So super important that you've got your electrolytes taken care of. If you haven't done, get over there and get stocked up because you don't want to leave it to chance. So precisionhydration.com and get that sorted. Okay, first results then. Let's go through the results held from Ironman UK to start with. Obviously, there was no pro race there, and we've also we've already mentioned that the real winners. But what was the atmosphere like at the race? It was really so. I only got up there for the run, and we went into the town centre, which is you know the athletes come back and forth past you, yeah. and it was great. There were Oompa Loompas dressed up, and <laughs> you know loads of cheering, loads of shouting. What you could expect from a town centre race really cool loved it friends of mine who were there said it's it was even bigger than last year like continues to grow the support from the crowds is awesome it looks like it looks like the run through Queen's Park worked really well although it's like nasty hill but sounds like there was good support in there as well so yeah good stuff uh, the overall results held it's, it's interesting on this one when you look on the Ironman UK website they don't have like 
don't have like the overall results listed. You got to kind of pick your way through, haven't you? Yeah. So I can. We've got. I've got the top three of uh, the men and women. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go with those then. Okay, so Brian Fogarty was the uh, first across the line in, in Bolton. I did see him coming around the corner of his last lap of the run before we popped into the town centre, and he was looking really, really smooth. So we'll be interesting to hear his interview shortly. So Brian Fogarty took the win in 9.27 ahead of Francesco Masculieri and then Lucas Siska in the men's race. And then in the women's race, Emma... So. It's Emma Hatsis, but for the Ironman in the results, it's Emma Wardle because uh, she has since got married. So Emma Hatsis taking a really comfortable win in 10.39 ahead of Kelly Warrington, who was second, and then Emily Freeman was third. Yeah, and nice to see Naomi Kira Wright snuck there in fourth as well, didn't she, I think, as I was going through, I was trying, trying to get them all ordered in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good performances. Great stuff. Yes, we've got an awesome interview coming up with Foggy later on. Um, it's going to break a few hearts, I think, when people hear um, his story of having been injured in the run up to it and the fact he had a daughter in January and his training. I think people assumed that his training had been that of a full time pro, but very, very different story. Um, yeah. So listen up for that one coming up later on. Um, right, next up, we've had results from Ironman Vittoria, haven't we? This looks great. It looks like a really good race. So this is a new Ironman race. It's in the Basque country in Spain. There used to be a long-distance triathlon there, but Ironman have now taken it on. And it just, the the run course looks really wiggly and windy through um, Vittoria Gaste's but so it's like through the old town is it yeah oh, and it wow. but it just i mean there were so many people out cheering them on the swim looks like it's in a beautiful lake and it just looks a fantastic course so it could be a a good one to sort of stick on your list and check out a little bit um nice and and because they had, and you'll hear from Sam Braun, the Ironman UK race director, a little bit later as to why there was no pro race at Bolton. And it it does all sort of explain itself. But they did have a pro race um, in Vitoria. And Eniko Janos, so home favourites. And could yeah. you imagine the roars for him? I don't know if you yeah. saw any of the golf, but it wouldn't exactly be on a par with Shane Lowry. But... You know, having your home athlete in your home area, your hometown, it, it was just insane. The crowds all cheering him on. So Eniko got the win in 7:55 at the um, young old age of 42. Um, no, pretty impressive. Amazing. And when you think back and think he he was on the podium in Kona in 2008, so he's part of the like the Crowy Macca generation. You know, he was racing them for the win back then. So that's super impressive, isn't it? Yeah, and it just it shows you the impact that, you know, being that yes. if you're having a good day, that then what the impact of a crowd behind you can do as well. Yeah, and it gives hope to us old guys as well. Stay in shape for your whole life and there's a good performance in you yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Josh Amberger was second in 8.06. They showed a clip of him swimming and it was just, it's just something beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So he got his Kona slot uh, and then um, Peru Alfaro from Spain was third. Heather Jackson took out the win in the women's race. Again, she looked like she was flying all day long. She did an 8.52 
ahead of Nina Deron and then Judith Korokan uh, of Spain was third. Nice. Also, a quick mention for GB's Claire Han, who won 70.3 Jean Coping over in Sweden earlier this month. And she took down Lisa Norden, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Proper yep. run battle. And uh, there's a great article with her, an interview with her on Try 24-7, where she says she didn't feel as though she'd earned a pro ticket last year because her performances weren't even as good as when she'd been an age group, as she felt. So to take down Lisa Norden's got to fill her with confidence. That's awesome. Yeah, massively. She she finished, she won the age group at Staffs when I did it a few years ago. Um, oh, okay. Comfortably won the yeah. 30 to 35 age group. Yeah, 30 to 34. Yeah. Uh, and then I would have raced, well, clearly I wouldn't have raced with her. She was like miles ahead, but would have raced with <laughs> her at the, at the 70.3 World Championships. And I remember meeting her uh, on the bike recce, we went and did a bike recce. So oh, yeah, nice. it's so, so it's brilliant to see because that was a while ago now, yeah. and so it's fab to see how you know she's persevered and it's finally all paid yeah. off. It's great. I love it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, quick mention for Ironman Switzerland. The last year of it being hosted in Zurich, we had wins. Well, there was only a male pro race this year, so. Win there for Jan van Berkel and uh, Sven Rieder in second, Cyril Vieno in third. Ronnie Schildnick still finished in fifth, Hells, nine-time champion there. He's still going as well. He's on a Macca's generation. So still, God still. blimey. I know. Did you see um, Marino van Honecke has actually announced his retirement now? Yeah, but he'll make yeah. another comeback. <clears throat> Do you reckon? Yeah. He's retired more <laughs> often than my dad, that guy. <laughs> oh, fine. There you go. Well, okay, he'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be back in Austria next year. Yeah, I reckon. As an age grouper, <laughs> putting out at seven forty-five as an age grouper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then um, away from the long-distance racing, we've had um, we've had racing on the WTS circuit this weekend, haven't we? And a great win in Canada for Johnny Brownlee back on the yeah. top step. He looks yeah, was... super fit in these photos, doesn't he? He looks really yeah. lean and mean. I think. Well, he he said, I I watched it, I caught up on it yesterday and he looked really comfortable throughout and you sort of think, oh yeah. And his post-race interview was great and he sort of said, oh my God, this has been a long time coming and he did want to drop, you could tell he wanted to drop the F-bomb in it and say, thank (laughs) blinking God for that. But um, no, it was was really good and and you sort of think, hopefully he's, you know, timing it right to come into really good form when it counts for the Tokyo test event and yeah. trying to qualify for Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, you know, after that, Brownlee, anything else? He knows how to prepare and they've got yeah. the attitude for big day racing for sure. Yep, definitely. And and if you listen to Bucko from last week, like they're doing so much work to, to try to cope with the heat as well. So they're doing everything that they can to, to be at their very best. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So we have got bumper bumper amounts of interviews to get in this week. So we're going to go over first up. We're going to have our interview with winner of Ironman UK and Uber biker, Brian Fogarty. All right, Brian Fogarty, we are delighted to welcome you back onto the show and to say congratulations on finally winning Ironman UK, getting the monkey off your back. Overall winner of Ironman UK. How did that sound, buddy? Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome, mate. Yeah, can't hear that enough times. Yeah, yeah, over the moon, pal. Over the moon. Has it sunk in yet? 
No, it hasn't, to be honest. I mean, it's been a bit of a crazy couple of days. Um, there's been a lot of uh, social media and things like that, you know, a lot of uh, comments and stuff. So it's still going through them all now, just trying to bloody like everyone's <laughs> comments because it means so much that people will go out of the way and do that, you know. I'm, uh, I'm really, really blessed to, to have so many people wishing me well and, and, and all that, you know. It's, it's, it's touching. It's touching. Really who's, that, who's that in the background? Introduce her for us. Eslid, my little baby Eslid, little uh, shining light in my life. She came in, she, she, uh, she was born in December. Um, so it even makes the win even more special because like the first six months, is, as you obviously know, with having a couple of children, um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, yeah. But she just, she's, in a way, she sort of, because it changed, it changed my life so much and changed what, you know, what, what's, um, what matters in life. And, and in a lot of ways, putting putting Iron Man a little bit obviously on the I was definitely on the on the on the second down down the list, you know. Um, so yeah, she's great. She's um, she's my inspiration. So this is really going to be a kick in the teeth of your competition when they find out that actually after that dominating performance, your last six months have been sleep deprivation, oh. falling asleep in the car, falling asleep oh. on the turbo. <laughs> it's, I mean. I keep I keep finding myself. I think like I said this to you. I keep finding myself like telling people uh, how hard it is, and then I, then I realise, hang on, they've had three kids. They've been there. <laughs> they've been there three times before. It's, it's uh, you know, but I, I keep doing it, and I'm like, oh god, they know what it's like just as much as I do. It's it is tough, and it? it's uh, it's a form of uh, punishment. That um, yeah. sleep deprivation. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? But, I tell you, mate, no, no new parent can believe that sleep deprivation isn't on that list of the UN's things that you can't do to prisoners of war. It's just horrible, isn't it? When you don't get you don't get a decent night's sleep for ever. It feels like it, it, it does. It. I mean, it's like anything. It's like you can do a, a couple of nights is one thing, but after two weeks of it and three weeks of it, and it's just yeah. Oh my God! You, you lose uh, lose all sense of, of anything. So how have you? Well, let's talk about that, man. How have you managed it? Because I'm sure so many people who are listening are going through. I mean, anyone who's been an athlete or taken the the triathlon relatively seriously and then had kids, and you know, your life changes. It never goes back to how it was. It's no. different afterwards. How have you managed the six month period? Well, of having, I was, having the thing was, yeah, a few things really. I mean, I was ready for the change. So I think that's a big thing. I was, I was, I was more than ready for, for whatever was, whatever was needed, whatever was, was needed. I was willing for that. I mean, if you're constantly fighting that, I can imagine it all being a lot worse, like a process, but I was more than ready for whatever she needed and I needed to sacrifice. That was, that was it. It was just, just a given. So mentally I was prepared for anything. Um, and it was just a case of knowing that it, it you know, as, as you know, okay, the early stages are the hardest. You know, she's getting, to, she's just turning, I think six, seven months today actually, which is flown. But um, each month does get easier. Um, and, and, I, and I sort of kept believing that. Obviously, I had people like Matt Bottrell, Tony Cullen, yourself, you know, lots of people are always on advice, giving me advice. To just, you know, it, it will get easier. Just stick at it. Just stick with it. And, uh, and it, it did. It did eventually get easier. Um, I'm a very sporting wife, obviously, as well. But the other thing is, I cut out a lot of the crap that maybe I was doing previously, just, just like excess. Maybe you know when I was getting like massages, and I, I, no massages, didn't have massages for months. I used to try and have one quite regularly. Um, 
I cut down, I had to accept, I had to reduce my swimming time, which was hard to do because I know it's my weakest discipline. But I had to accept that because the swimming is it's one of those, isn't it? It's not just the time swimming, it's the time, the prep to get there and all that. So I had to accept that I was only going to swim twice a week. Um, and also, the other thing that I did do, what I've never done and I've always struggled with, was I had, with my injury as well, going into last winter, I had like, I had, I had 14 weeks completely off running and I had nine weeks completely out of the water, which wow. for me is, is a big, it's tough to take mentally. But obviously I had a focus with Esley. Um, I kept ticking over with my, my bike. I kept that going. So I kept fit. And I think that was the key. I kept fit. Not necessarily race fit, obviously, but I was fit. I wasn't putting on weight. I was still keeping ticking over. And I was able to, when I could start ramping it up, I wasn't far off, and then I found myself within eight eight weeks, nine weeks. I started knocking on the, the numbers of where I was at in in the pool and on the running, and it's sort of, that's how it's sort of gone. And yeah. uh, so it's all less, a bit of a lesson as well to, to learn from my, my own my own sort of uh, from a coaching aspect. And as an athlete, it was it was interesting to know that you can have that time off and come back quite quite quickly if if you keep fit, if you keep ticking over. Obviously, if I'd sat sat on my backside, put on a storm ate loads of crap and lost you, you're making it whole a much steeper climb to, to get back you know um so that was something that i did and, and with so far the season's gone i mean i proved that it's it, it, it can be done yeah um, it's a great testament to triathlon isn't it because from a if you come from any kind of single sport background and you get injured that's it you don't get to train yeah and you know particularly from like a running background if you get a run injury you you're almost in the mindset of well there's nothing i can do to stay fit yeah. when when yeah. i'm a runner yeah. just if i can't run i can't do anything yeah. as a triathlete the biking fitness transfers so well to running doesn't it that totally yeah absolutely and i found i was once, once i was just a runner and that's all i did and and i don't know if, if you were but if it, but i found that whenever i was injured Obviously, you cross train to try and keep some sanity, but you never felt satisfied with it. It was never because it wasn't running. Running is the only thing you did. It was like oh, it's just not enough. But now, and that was what actually got me into triathlon. The fact I could genuinely focus on three separate disciplines with the same intent, and if need be, if one was a bit uh, for whatever reason I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bike, I could run. And, and you can just, you know, make it all work and keep fit and keep actually improving. Um, and that's the love of triathlon, isn't it, Rob? That's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. That's it. That's, it's a great way to stay fit into into middle age and beyond, isn't it? Once, uh, you know, like I remember my dad, as I was growing up, his his running career in inverted commas ended in his late 30s with the niggles and injuries. And, and he really struggled to find anything else to go to till he took cycling back up. So I was kind of lucky as a kid. I watched him go through that and thought, oh, well, there's more to life than just the single sport. You can do other yeah. things and, you know, yeah. transfer that enthusiasm to it. Now you mentioned that your injury, obviously this, this all came about through your, your year that you had last year, where if, if anyone in the world had more bad luck than you in, in athletics, then I'd like to meet him. Yeah. You had, was yeah. it two crashes at Bolton and then a crash outlaw again that you had last year? Is that right? No, wait, two punches at Bolton. The two second punches. Puncher, sort of, uh, made me crash, if you will. It wasn't a crash, so I basically just couldn't go around the corner because I was on me, I was actually on me, me carbon, so I yeah. had to straighten it up and just go straight into the field. Um, so that that was the end of that. And then yeah, I tried to bounce back quickly going to Outlaw, which we we had a good chat there, didn't we? Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it just was meant to be. I was, to be honest, on hindsight, just a bit reckless, re- reckless riding, not really uh, being focused enough, and come off on a, on a, on a, on a tightish corner, and that put me back a bit as well. Yeah. And what mm. did you do to yourself there? Was it a broken? Did you end up breaking your elbow? Do I remember? I remember you were all no, you were bad, patched I up. I had a bad gash um, which needed operating on just because it was so deep. It needed cleaning. Yeah. It was it was really dirty. Um, so I spent a couple of days in hospital with that. Um, couldn't, then I couldn't swim for a long time after it till it healed. Um, lost a lot of con- lost a bit of confidence actually. One thing I didn't think would um, lost a bit of confidence on on the, on, on the bike handling from that actually. Um, and then I ended up coming off in Barcelona another month or so later. Um, yeah. yeah but, uh, but I do think it was just bad luck. Wrong tyres. Don't have Victoria coaster speeds in wet conditions. Because they are like mirrors on the road, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Big mistake, that. Big mistake. Yeah. There we go. But then, so we've had the injury there. You had a bit of a bit of rotten luck with the training during winter. And then, obviously, childbirth early in the new year yeah coinciding with starting to get fit again and then then the build going forward i'm sure like the, the questions everyone wants to ask is how would you go about rebuilding your fitness what did you do in order to get fit whilst having reduced training time at the same time well like like i said the, the thing what I, I did believe i didn't completely lose my fitness i, I dropped fitness naturally but but i, I kept active I, I never you know I never, I never did ride my bike indoors, but I was still able to sneak off. Maria, my wife, would say, no, go and get your fix. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll move across the road where my me, where me bike is, and, I, and I'll get my hour in. I'll keep ticking it off and just keep that, that oh, what's the word, that hunger there. And just, just, just kept, I just kept ticking off, so I kept fit. I did feel I kept fit. And I was just patient. Another key was patience. If you see my training peaks, you know, it was like, oh, you think, oh, my God, how am I going to get back to this? This point where I was previously, but week on week, and when you have such a break, week on week, it just keeps going up and up and up. And you think, hey, hang on, we're making some progress here. Before you know it, bang, you, you're right there. Um, and that was all it was. Nothing, nothing different really. It's just I just had a proper good recovery and just kept fit, kept kept active. It takes a lot less time for it to come back than it takes to build fitness in the first place, doesn't it? exactly yeah see that's yeah. an experienced coach there isn't it from you there well, yeah we, we've often talked like my analogy for this is like you watch somebody carving out like a pumpkin like the carving out of the pumpkin is the building of the fitness and once you've carved that pumpkin out if you leave it alone it's going to get all furry on the inside yeah but then when you come back to it it doesn't take much to get that fur out of the inside of the pumpkin and, and you're left with a great big engine you know that big hollow pumpkins there yeah. and it's still got the capabilities your body doesn't forget I think our mind forgets and we lose confidence. Yeah. And yeah. then you go out and you deliver a performance and go, oh, well, actually, I thought I was 20% off and I'm actually 3% off. Exactly. So it comes exactly. back much more quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's only that I've done it. It's probably the best thing I needed. I, I've, I, I mean, I was thinking I was reckoning up, actually, the other day. I, I, since 2013, I think I've done about 25 Ironmans. Wow. So I've 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 quite looking back, I've actually probably overdone it a bit, um, and and was well in need of a right good rest, and it just came as a forced rest. Um, but it's certainly something I'll be doing again, definitely, having that extended time just to really back off and just just I don't know, there's probably more goes on actually within your body what 
what I, in terms of the recovery process, you know, the, the scientific yeah. side of your hormones yeah. and all the rest of it, just really just come good again and just um, just allow you to to go again for for a big push for the following year. It's yeah, it's interesting that isn't it the the enforced rest making you have like an end of season break. We read those stories, don't we, about um, Cam Brown always going. I just take five weeks to go surfing, and you go, yeah, yeah, but you're still running, right? Then he goes, no, I'll go surfing for five weeks, and he's done that every year, and he's done what like fifteen fifteen seasons of winning pretty much Ironman Taupo off that. So it's like there's something in that the the break at the end. Our mind needs to know that. It'll come back, and it, you know, it's, it's a hard road back, but it will come back. And actually, you you need to do what you need to do to be better next year. And what you need to do now is nothing in order to be better next year. That's hard to take at the time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, it is. It's tough. It is for, for people like myself, you know, for, for the people who really live it. It's it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And when we're, I do think we differ as amateurs to to likes of Cam Brown, who are full time pros, who can come back. And, and hit it and, and bang out 25 hour weeks they can actually completely well he proves it he has a com- I mean he proves it he's in his 40s like mid 40s and he does what he does yeah. so he can allow complete rest whereas I just felt with me just having just ticking over doing something was enough to keep keep yourself in but it's like you know you, I think there's a big thing as well is you, you keep you try and keep within a certain race weight that's a massive thing as we know otherwise you, you're trying to lose weight whilst get fit which makes it 10 times worse yeah. Hard rest, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's it's been it's been interesting. It's been a learning yeah. curve. Well, listen, talk us through talk us through the Ironman UK race. Then I want to I want to hear it in gory detail. And then if it's all right, I've got some questions here that I put out on Facebook that I was interviewing you, and so we've got some questions from your fans to answer. If that's all right with you, <laughs> I'm not fans. I tell you what, mate, you're wrong there. You want to you want to get in the the OA community page? There's dozens of them. <laughs> oh wow, wow, that's well, that's nice to know. Um, right, yeah. So we have got, yeah. Well, obviously last year, I mean, my focus um, from, from from all year was was hopefully having my first holiday and, and first race. We're going to be Lanzarote with my daughter, so yeah. that was the biggie. So that was the one where I was training for, and I sort of went into that thinking, right, slightly thinking I'll be, I will be slightly under 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 um, under trained. To, in terms of it but I always find for some reason with Lanzarote that works well for me and, and again it's another learning curve where you're definitely better going in under trained than over trained um, it's a lesson learned because as I was I mean I was it was early season in, in effect from completely from very little I, within five months I was I was on the start line in Lanzarote which as you know is a, is a damn tough race um, but on that I, I had my family there and I thought nothing to lose go and do it and I, I'll tell you I think that was my best performance my best really? performance today, I believe, was Lanzarote. I, I punctured. I lost 10 minutes with oh, the puncture. Right. Yeah. I had an aluminium training wheel on for the last two hours of the race instead of a disc, which, which would have took time off me. And I bounced off the bike and, and ran a short three hours. I thought, bloody hell. You, you know, you, you, you've, you've, you're you you've in good nick here, Brian. So yeah. I had seven weeks then to, to UK, which was, again, my second, probably my biggest goal, really, being a home race, being non-pro this year. Um, I'm never going to have a better better opportunity to win to win the bigot, which is yeah. Bolton. Um, so I had seven weeks, so there were the course changes. Um, so I knew, which was a bit, for me, was a bit of a bummer because I knew the old course, like the back of my hand. I mean, I've, I've lived on that course for the last 10 years riding that. 
So it was slightly changed. I mean, it wasn't far, so I just had to get on that course as much as I could. Rode it a good few times, so I knew the course inside out. So obviously that's a big benefit. With it being as tough as it was and technical, that was that was an advantage. So I knew that was key. But I also knew, I thought, seven weeks ago, you just had your best ever performance. So you don't need to do too much within these seven weeks, Brian. You need to recover, number one, from Lanzarote, because I actually had to dig quite deep at Lanzarote to hold off the guy who was catching me. So I, I was quite floored after that. Yeah. So I thought, I'll give you a couple of weeks. He's back in. We spoke to obviously Matt. Um, we, had, we had a plan, but it was very much just let's tick over, let's hit some key sessions and go and go into it again fresh. Um, and exactly what I did. I didn't do any sort of silly, excessive long rides, any twenty-mile runs. I didn't feel I needed to because lands are up seven weeks, so it's not a lot, you know, a big time. Um, that's what I did. That's what I did. Um, just just went into it knowing you're off the back of your best ever performance. You're well rested. Um, it's your home race. You've got your support. You know the course. Just got to do your stuff. And I was, I was confident. I, yeah. I was confident if I didn't have any bad luck and I raced to my to my level, I knew I was going to take some beating. Um, and, and obviously, thankfully, yeah, dream come true. Um, it went... Yeah. But we well. But Decent it swim. It was like it was a sub hour swim, wasn't it? So swim for me. We swim twice a week. You know, I know, I know. Worse for me, two two times a week is all I can swim. So if I can swim and do a fifty nine minutes, that's enough for me. That's that's where I expect to be, and, and well, that's where I hope to be. Yeah. Um. You know. Um. So yeah, that was that was good. That was solid. Off to a great start. I think I was probably out of out of T two, probably maybe top twenty five. And then I, I know I'm just going to make ground up quickly. Um, I knew a few of the contenders who were knocking about. There was a fantastic good swimmer called Lucas. I was going to ask, do you do you know Lucas? Because he lives up your way, doesn't he now, Lucas Siska? He doesn't actually now, no. He did. He did, and I believe oh, he's gone he? back to, to USA. Um, oh, okay. Because he was on one of the Coach Ed courses that I ran years back. A really lovely guy, really nice kid. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. yeah and good. he was coaching out of Rivington for a while, I think. That's right, um, yeah. Yeah, okay, because he's a fish, he, isn't he? he swam he 47 or something. 40, I, think, I think it was only 49, 48, late 48. Okay, so, yeah. So I thought, but, but it didn't phase me because I thought, well, it, at the end of the day, there's only, you can only do what you can do. So I wasn't that bothered about the other competitors. I thought, if, all I can do is what is, is my best. And yeah. But I thought if there's any weakness there with him it'll, or, or advantage I'd have on him would be the bike. Um, and then and, and Tony Cullen, Tony got out well up. He was up there. Um, but again, no disrespect to Tony, and he'll, he'll admit this myself. I, I sort of expected, even if I got off the bike with him, I thought I'd, I'd probably outrun Tony. Um, and there was a couple of unknowns. There was an Italian lad who I, I believe is, is an ex professional cyclist, um, and a lad that won Texas. Um, yeah. So I knew there was a couple of, couple of, couple of good lads, and, and the, the local lads. I mean, the local lads, there's some good lads around here Tom Rigby's. Um, John Telfeld, Matt Smith, some good lads. Yeah, Tom um, had a but, great race, didn't he? Tom, yeah, Tom went yeah. really well. Yeah, he's Tom, really picked Tom, his swimming up. Tom, yeah, I was shocked to see him to be honest out there that yeah. early. Um, but again, you know, not without being not being arrogant at all here. But I did believe if I ran, still did my bike to run as as I, as I could, I thought I'd be safe with, with that. And um, and it panned out that way. Yeah, about forty miles. I think I caught Lucas, caught Tony just before that, and then we caught Lucas. Um, and so I'm waiting, doing, do the math, and thinking, all right, I've done ten minutes for him here. I thought if I could pull ten minutes on him on, the, on for the next half, if not more, which I thought probably would be the natural case because he's probably gone harder in the first half. I thought it's yours to lose here, Brian. 
Um, and that's exactly how it worked out. Yeah. I, I gained a good lead. I got off the bike, I think, about 15. It's a tough course. Bloody hell, Rob, it's a tough course. Um, got off the lead, I think, around, give or take, 15 minutes. So I thought, right, come on, Bri, it's, it's yours, this baby. <laughs> just crack on, just, just get your nutrition, <laughs> nail your nutrition, and just keep ticking on. So what happens? Get off me. Got this pain in my foot. Oh, it was like the arch of my foot was just killing me. Really, wow. really okay. painful. Like first time it happened. First time it happened. The only time, sorry, I tell you, it happened once before in coma. And it was the time um, I had the stress fracture and um, I, I ended up not finishing. What is that? That's just unreal. That's just, just crazy. So I set off and I was sort of, the whole run, literally the whole marathon, I was like running, compensating this pain in the arch of my foot. It was like I had a, had a uh, stone in it. Yeah. I don't really know what it was. I spoke to Phil Graves about it. It might have been just something with my feet overheating and, and, and maybe tight, tight, I've had, had the shoes tightened too much. But it was still, I thought, right, come on. And I, I set off and I was still able to, to move all right. Um, just not have that bounce that I sort of, Wanted to have, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking, I was like, seven minutes, I'm like, okay, if you, you, you run a short three, you're still going to take some beating here because you've got a good gap. Yeah. So I did, and that's how it went. It was pretty eventful. As, um, I, I, I just kept it ticking on. I got to the second lap, though, and the, the Italian lad in second, who obviously a bit of an unknown, he'd gone from being sort of 16 minutes behind, give or take these, these times, to like, caught me up for eight minutes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my word. I was, I was following along on the that? tracker. I was sitting on the beach with the tracker open going, who's this Italian lad? And I thought exactly that, the halfway point. I thought, well, that's half the lead gone. This could could be an interesting last couple of miles for you here. Absolutely. So it was, um, I got some good, um, I got some good time splits. Um, Nick Rose, who was the, the lead man, I knew him. So he was, he was really good. He was really yeah. wanted to give me good splits. It's always good to have accurate splits. Yeah. Um, he's a good lad, Rosie. He's, oh, he's the yeah. perfect guy to have on that job, isn't he? Proper gentleman, yeah. lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, I enjoyed the experience with him. Nice bloke, and, and the fact he, he knows it inside out, it was it was good. So he knew what I needed to know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so come on the second lap, and I was on, the th- and, and Phil Graves was there. Got really good mates with Phil, and he said, "Listen, Bryce says he's catching. This is the big one. This is the make or break this lap." He said, "Dig in." But I also knew I was running well. I was running okay. You know, it was yeah. it was sort of seven minute mile pace, give or take, maybe a bit off. Plus, it's an early course, so it's, it's a bit, you know, it can be a bit. Um, so the the third lap, I just just focused, just absolutely thought, come, this is the one, because you know what it's like. The fourth lap comes easy, doesn't it? When it's the last lap, you know you can just just dig in for that 10k. So I did exactly that. I just just really focused on making sure I didn't slip, I didn't I didn't drop, because that eight minutes I knew damn well could have swallowed quickly if I had to stop walking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also had it in the back of my mind. If this guy, I mean, this guy's a superstar. If he comes on that course and, and does a three, a two forty-five, yeah. So I thought, okay, minutes out of here, but there's every chance he's gone too hard or gone gone for it. Which credit to him, he, he obviously knew he needed to because they had such a gap. Um, so it, it went to perfect. So come the, the last lap, come round, Phil said to me, he says you've 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 held it. If anything, you've you've pulled. So to be honest with you, the way I was feeling then, I sort of. I thought I had one hand on the trophy then. Yeah. But get around here, get up there, get back. And I, and I still couldn't, because it's the first time I've been in that position. It was something I wanted so much. It's the first time ever I, I was quite, I don't want to say rude to, 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 fan, to, to, to the support, but usually I'm like acknowledging people and I'm like, yeah. I'm five. So 
and I wasn't. I was just, and I just couldn't allow myself to to, to distract from the job at hand, you know, because yeah. it was. Yeah. So I did. I just still stay put. It was only literally coming around the last bend where, the, and I knew then I'd done it, and uh, I just embraced it. It was just crazy. It was just absolutely the, the atmosphere and that, like you know, that last shoot, the, the the last bit. It, oh, it mental. All my family and friends were there. It just it all come out, you know. It was it yeah. Was it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So five, six years of the the Ironman triathlon journey, twenty five in the bag. You finally get the the hometown win. It's yeah. great as well. I've been looking and, and online, all the, the local newspapers have got like hometown hero wins. It's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Brilliant. It's, it's nice that they've, they've embraced that because um, I don't think it's, it's, I'm not saying this because I've won it. I'm saying as, as a general rule, I don't think it's, it's still big enough uh, promoted in, in, the, in the, these Lancashire, really. Um, yeah. But hopefully, myself and other local lads are certainly bringing it up. Because there weren't just myself that performed on Sunday. There was some some really good efforts from some local lads. It was it was so good to see. Yeah. So good to see. Um, proper mutual respect among everyone as well, which I love. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it's like you, you, your enemies on in the battlefield on the course, but then after it, you just you just you know really close with each other and help each other. It was good, really good. That's cracking. Well, let's let's talk about the bike course a little bit more. There's there's some good questions come through here. Pete Cowan on Facebook says, I'm "Guessing talking about the bike course will be high on the list. The previous course was honest. Is this year's brutal?" He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> honest, and it's, the the way the way it's brutal is course. I, I would say it's probably because of the road surface in certain sections yeah. and the descents. Um, you know when like certain courses it's up and down, but you, you the descents you can you can you can you can recover. You can actually your focus can be recovery and even take yeah. a bit of energy. This this one's different is that you 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 are just holding on for sort of you're holding on, you're hoping that you, everything's gonna stay together on your bike, you know, the nutrition's gonna stay in. Like at the end of the red, the morning after, even now, it's my triceps are absolutely killing me because of just gripping the bike, because of the the, even you know the vibration and the uh, just the, the control you've got to give to it, and so so yeah, that's the probably the bit that I would say was tougher. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, another question here. Uh, Gary Fellow says, "Did he actually pedal down Sheep House Hill and pick up speed?" No, it's too fast. Yeah, no, it's too fast. No need, no need at all. The, the, the position I was in, that was another thing I was very conscious of was. Like, don't be stupid now. You know, I've, yeah. I've learned from last year, some mistakes I've made. You don't be stupid, be smart. Because saving two seconds going around the corner at breakneck pace, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things if you fall off or, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, so, no, not, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't um, pedal one bit, no. Just, just, just tuck in, get her up. You learned the lessons from last year's cornering, hey? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Scott Lindsay says, how did you train for that bike course? He says he knows that you live around the area. Did you just ride the course repeatedly or did you do something else? People are looking for secrets here, I think, Bri. No, I'm happy to show any secret. No, just, um, no, I just said just be specific. I mean, just get on the course. Get, get on the course. I was on the course as much as I could. Um, I don't think it needs to be done every ride, you know, but if you can get your, your good long ride done on there, then why not? You, you know, you, you're going to be it's a huge advantage if you know the course. Then it's a huge advantage as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Get on it as much as you can, yeah. Be yeah, specific. Yeah. If you're riding a hill, if you're racing a hilly course, 
get riding hills. <laughs> that easy. Well, it is, isn't it? You don't need to make rocket science out of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. All right, Peter Bennett says, what are your thoughts on there being no pro racing at Bolton this year? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're hoping no. there's going to be no pros at Kona this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I'm disappointed. Um, I, I, as, a, as an athlete, you want to race the best. Um, and, and obviously the professionals are the best. So, yeah, I was. I felt it, it probably devalued the race a little bit. Um you know, I spoke to Phil Graves about this and he was disappointed he was looking to do it. I'm sure Joe, if he could have fitted it in, Joe Skipper would have come back and tried to regain his title. Um, but it was what it was from my point of view. It was out of my hands. I was just willing to, I just wanted to win the race and that's do what I can do. But but yeah, I, I think as, a, as, a, as an out-and-out triathlon Ironman fan, you, you want to see the top guys. and Maybe your first-timers who, who are sort of new to the sport aren't aware of other people. It probably doesn't have that same effect. But for likes of me and you, and we want to see the big guns racing. We want to, we want to, we want to watch them and we want to race against them. So yeah, I, it's a shame, really. I thought it, I thought it was devalued the whole the whole thing a bit, really. Yeah, it's a shame. Mm. Yeah. Don't even know. Do you do you know at all why why it was the case? I, I don't to this day know why. I honestly don't know. I don't know. My only thought is that I wonder whether we're going to see, and I don't know anything in the background for this. I, I wonder whether we're going to see more of this, and that they're going to expand the kind of franchise out around the world and there are only going to be a certain number of pro slots they can give out for Kona. That, maybe that, maybe that, that's it. Yeah, that was my only theory. I know obviously they've got Coke this year, so Coke took slots. So maybe it was just they had to pick a, pick one or the other. Yeah. Um, but I do know, like you say, it's happening more over over the world. Um, yeah, well, interesting. Shame. Things. Right, Lee Spore says, did you find that your 1X dinner plate chain ring was okay for that course? Or were you wishing you had a few less teeth on it? Did you, were you riding 1X? Yeah, yeah, single ring, yeah. Oh, 62. interesting. A what, sorry? 62. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Yeah. Hey, well, it's not <laughs> It's not as if... The thing is, I think people. I certainly don't do it to uh, to get any kudos. It, it, it's not, you know what I mean. It's not, it's not, it's not a competition to have the biggest biggest chairing. It's just for me, it works. Um, yeah. I found last year I never went into my single ring, into my my bottom ring. So I thought, why have one on? It's, it's probably a few watts saved not having it. Um, what were you running on the back? What was your small? What was your biggest cassette and your smallest at the back? <laughs> You're gonna laugh. I actually don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> just, just I, whatever, whatever was on it. Quite honestly, my mechanic just does it, and he just says you'll be fine with that. And I was just telling him, like, I didn't need it last year, so why have it on? So he said, right, I'll sort it, and that's that's pretty much it. It could be a twenty-seven. Would that be right? Well, that would be like a that would be a standard kind of ish size cassette on the back. But obviously, for most normal people, the thought of going up any kind of hill in. 5327 is enough to bring tears to their eyes. So the thought of you going up in 60 something and 27 on the back, it's just pretty much superhuman. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I do ride a big gear and I'm, 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 I am a person that prefers to ride a big gear. I think there's, there's a bit of that. It's just. Yeah. Um, do you ride at a relatively, relatively low cadence then as you're riding along? Are you, are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. I find that just for me, it works better. Um, some people it doesn't it's, it's there's no right or wrong it's whatever works um i find my natural cadence is just a bit more of a slower drilled out sort of power um yeah, yeah. i get out my saddle i need to get out my saddle a few times um 
you know, to to uh, to get up some of them climbs. So there's no shame in that with a dinner plate on the front. <laughs> well, it does seem to be. I mean, you were very you were very muscular athlete, and it does seem to to tend towards like muscular athletes tend to be more efficient pushing that bigger gear skinnier little well skinnier thinner athletes with less muscular strength tend to need to you know the chris Froome idea spin yes. the gear quickly but i mean like yeah. you say mate it obviously works for you yeah and it's not something you'd read in an instruction manual but you've done the maths and gone well i never needed the small chain ring so why why have it on exactly that, that was exactly it exactly that i didn't there was no real logic other than that just yeah take it off i don't need it and i, I did the same lanzarote um the same bolton um, yeah. Obviously, there'll probably be some courses that it is it is too much, but I just knew these courses it would be fine. Um, so that was my theory. Yeah, thanks for that question, Lee. Yeah, it's a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Glenda Kennedy says, "How are you managing to balance training, coaching, home life, and work? All all these things." Yeah, um, tough. It's tough, and it's like every other athlete that, that has to balance those things. Um, balance is key. Um, I have to prioritise things. I have to, like I said, I've sacrificed my swimming this year, knowing that that isn't isn't going to improve this year. I've accepted that. Um, but then again, it's made the swims I do do quality. I've had the thing that I found this year is because I've had less time to train. Yeah, everything has had to be more, had to be quality. There's not been any crap. When I've had the green light to go and do my training off my my good wife, I get that done. And it's like there's an extra. I'm always proud myself on being quite a focused, dedicated. But it's like that extra little incentive. Now it's either do it now or you don't do it. So I'm out in. I mean, it's a funny story actually. And 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 this I look back and I think to myself, and I can pass these experiences on. So went past up sheep house this year, and um, and I remember thinking to myself, and I was leading, and I remember thinking to myself, Brad, do you remember back in, in February, March, I think it was. It should have been the firefighters two up. Um, Duathlon and it got cancelled because of the weather. Yeah, but I was out while it was cancelled. I was out on that course and I and basically I got up top of Sheep House and there were a blizzard and the whole road was covered. I slipped off my bike. I was on my tan shot bike. I slipped off it and from the top of Sheep House I had to walk the whole way down the cleats with a bike. I got onto Belmont and I walked up and it was. I swear to God, I couldn't feel my hands. I actually think I got frostbite in my hands. It was absolutely bitter. My cleats, my, I couldn't ride down Belmont because my cleats had frozen up. Because I was walking, my my, uh, my my speed play cleats had got stuck with um, with mud. So back, and I got home and I was like, I was in bits. But my point is, it's like I did what I needed to do. I needed to get out that day and do a three and a half hour ride. And I just did it no matter what because I had to do it. I knew it was going to be tough. But I didn't expect the conditions to be as they were, but... Back, back to, I'm probably going off, but, but when I come back over that point, I swear to God, that image, what happened that day, there's only me that knows what I went through that day, how hard it was physically, in middle of, middle of winter. And uh, and I just thought, right, Brian, it's, it's, you've done things like that to get where you are now in this lead, in this race. And I just thought, I, just, I remember thinking how much strength that actually gives you. It, it really gave me a strength, because you've done what you need to do. You can, you're in this race now knowing you've done everything that you can do in your power. And I feel like it gives me like a weird strength. Really, really crazy. So my thing is, I just had to make sure I, I make everything quality. Yeah. Uh, and just, just, just balance your life with hopefully have a, have an understanding life and, and make your environment as, um, as, as best you can be convenient to train 
um, you know, have things already in preparation. You know, have your turbo already ready. So when you finish work, you're straight home, you're straight on your bike, you're getting it done. Um, integrate, integrate your, your, you know, your own sessions with your commute to work. And a lot of my running, I, I up my mileage by about 30% um, last year. Oh, sorry, started this year. And, and all I did, um, I started commuting to my swimming and bike by running. So just by doing two, just by running to swimming and bike twice a week, I was adding 16 miles of, of mileage to my training. And sometimes I went a bit further and made it more. But th- that's that's putting some mileage. You add that up over the course of eight weeks, you've put a lot, your body's done a lot. I mean, it's, all, it's only like steady running. But just things like that, just, just try and incorporate stuff where you can that, that suits around your life. Um, and believe it or not, I actually sometimes have a race back from swimming with the lad, my brother and and there too, and they're only they're only back home a couple of minutes before me because they're stuck in traffic, and I, I run back. Yeah. So you know it can be done. You just you just gotta sometimes think outside the box with certain stuff. Yeah. And get it done while you can. Good that's, man. That's what works for me. I love so. it. I love that. You know that it gave me a weird strength. The thought of what I'd been through to get here. I love, I love the idea of you know reminding yourself of the really tough things you put yourself through. Once exactly. you know you've been through stuff like that, yes. it then puts other things in perspective a bit. I think, doesn't it? Absolutely. I knew what I did that day was the hardest thing I'd probably ever done. Honestly, I was. It was the race got cancelled because, and as I was going, it was blizzard. So literally, I got to the top of sheep. I was just slipping and sliding, and I had to come down the other side. And, and I slipped off. It was just covered in snow. It was a blizzard. And yeah, it was just, it was just horrendous. <laughs> and no one would understand what I went through. But I remember thinking, no. like, if you've done that, you can do this. And Good that lad. Was, that was how it went. Yeah, it was really weird. Really, really weird. That's what I thought I'd share it because I, I remember it come to my mind. Yeah. All right. I've just got a couple more before we wrap this up, mate, if you don't mind. Um, no, fine. Andy Heaps says, what normalised power and or percentage of FTP did you need to ride that course in 5.11? Yeah, <laughs> uh, my, obviously normal, I don't really take much care, notice of normal average power. On that course, it's normalised. I was 292 for that, okay. um, which was, was not my best, but I don't know if the road surface at times and things like that can just bring you sit you, you power down. It's hard to put, you know, at certain times it can be hard. But yeah, um, but yeah that two ninety two. And percentage of my power that would have been probably about eighty four. Okay. Yeah, so it's Quite pretty great. pretty pretty big, decent power output there you've put out. Yeah, for me. Well well yeah, yeah. Nice. I find I can run off that, so yeah. Um, but again, with that, I just I don't think too much about it. I I just think I ride the five hours. I think the key. I speak to Tony about this a bit. Um, I just seem to be able to hold it for that duration. That must. That's my little thing that seems to work there. I just I'm able yeah. to hold it out for like the whole the whole time. Um, it's it's interesting. I remember talking to Lionel in a similar way years ago about this, and it's almost like the outliers. You look at what what you and Lionel and these Uber bikers do and go, well, it's really hard to extrapolate back from that and work out what normal age groupers can do. Cause if you put a normal age grouper in 62, 14 to ride at 50 revs a minute for five hours, most people are going to be riding straight to the hospital and having new legs put on, you know, <laughs> not doing a marathon. 
<laughs> but it's like you said, it works for you. You've tried this in training. You've done it day in and day out. You've got the confidence in it. And that's the key. So whatever you do, you've got to have confidence that that's what's going to work for you on race day. You don't want to be guessing on race day. No, exactly. Exactly. And it does. It gives you an inner, an inner confidence going into races is so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. I yeah. find that. All right. And last question here. Um, let me see who's this by um, Jim Huxford. What are your thoughts on like the the DNF rate, the percentage of people who didn't finish and the poor people who, who, who didn't get to finish? Your heart goes out to them, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. It was yeah. a tough day for a lot of people. I think I read there was something like a 30% of the field either didn't start or didn't finish that day on that course. So it's, it must have yeah. been... Did you notice that as you were out there? Were you so focused on your, when you said you weren't high-fiving people like you usually would be, you were just in the zone and, and getting it yeah, done? Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have noticed it really in the race because there's still like a lot of people. Um, obviously, the, the DNS is, I mean, they're, they're, they're that's just, yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, DNS is DNS, they've not even started, so whatever that, the DNF side of things, I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's yeah, I mean, if you've been unfortunate and you've 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 come off and things, then that's 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 just done with bad luck because that can happen, obviously. Um, but no one said my man was easy. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I mean, have you trained enough? Have you? I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, it's funny one really. I don't say. I, I, yeah, do I feel sorry for him? Um, I don't say I do really. No, you've you've not done enough because I, I don't mean I don't want to get that taken out the wrong way, but. Obviously, a hell of a lot of people did finish. Um, if you didn't finish because you haven't trained enough, then come back next year and, and do it and put it right. I mean, it, it do you is think it, Do you think it caught a lot of people out? Do you think? Do you think people uh, yeah. who? I mean, us locals knew. I had friends who went out and rode the course and came back with their eyes like dinner plates. I'm like, oh my god, you thought the old course was hard. Do you think a lot of people were caught out by? the relentless nature of it always being up and down, there being no free speed, the road surfaces, and maybe there were people who, who might have made a cut off on a, on an easier course who, who maybe got caught out by that. Possibly. Well, yeah, they must have. Yeah. yeah quite, quite clearly. They, they must have. Um, yeah. They, they must have not, you know, took it a little bit, um, a little bit easier than they thought. Um, yeah, it's a tough day. It's a hard so. day out. And anyone who's got a, a medal from the old superhero medal is going to be a well-coveted medal around the world, that, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's and that's how it should be, Rob, in my opinion. I I, I find, and that's why I, I'd like to do these courses. I find that they're more rewarding. Um, Lanzarote, uh, Wales, Bolton, you, you get that medal and you've earned it. Um, I'm not one of these, you know, Arizona and, and you've got a swim and then you, you, you're in a pack for five hours or whatever and then you go and run a, a nice little jolly marathon I, I don't think that's quite what it should be um I don't get well that was how I was going to end this I was going to ask you are, are you ever tempted to go and do a course like Roth or Austria or Arizona that's that's or Texas that's got that kind of you're riding on a motorway for four hours and just see how fast your power will take you on that kind of course or does it just not interest you <laughs> Um, no, it does. It does. I mean, I tried last year. I went, I went to Barcelona looking for get, get a time and it just didn't work out. Um, I wasn't really right frame of mind or prepared for it, but I did. I gave it a shot and I, I didn't do so good. I actually crashed. I did. I did finish. Um, so no, it's nothing to do with that. I mean, I don't. I will have a go at some point, but 
it just works for me that to be competitive. I, I need a, I need a bike that's honest and true because it doesn't work to my strengths. I, I'm never going to be a front pack swimmer as, as, as long as I live. Um, so it's it's sort of working to your strengths, and I'm not ashamed to do that. You know, it makes sense, yeah, doesn't man. it? Um, so yeah, I just that's how I see it. And there's the races I do, I love them. Um, the great races, um, good good support, it's brilliant. All right, man. Let's wrap this up then. Um, plans for the future. You've got the the Ironman win in the bag. Is there any is there any events on your horizon that you think I would love to do that one? Well, it's Corner this year. Um, that's the one I've, I've I've really underperformed every time, really. Um, so I'm really look, looking to go there now. Uh, I think it's twelve weeks, so I feel like I've got got a bit of time now to really recover and. and, and and like I said, but in a smaller case, really recovering now, just drop my fitness a bit and really push on and really have a good build towards towards the big one. And, um, and just try and, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to win, win overall age group, but I, I certainly believe if I, if I do perform to my best or better, I, I can be in the mix at some yeah. point in the race. But I just want to go and do that and, and, and have a solid race because, like I said, I haven't, I haven't done that yet out there and it's been really disappointing because we have such a good time. I'm, I'm so fortunate my family come out and, it's, it's, it's brilliant yeah. um, but it, I think there's something I've got to really I might speak to you off air as well if, if you have any ideas I know you've, you've got a lot of valuable experience and stuff and I want to see or if anyone any listeners can help but really get some protocol on how to train for, for the heat because yeah. I've always took it whenever I've, I've been I've like a few sessions with a few tops on to try and overheat and a few saunas and baths but it clearly just not been enough um, so I think I just need to focus make that more of a training session than an actual just add-on yeah 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 totally if anyone have any 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 things that can help me with, with that I'd, I'd much appreciate any advice yeah cool I'm, I'm not able to go out and train in the heat for three or four week <laughs> training camp it's just not gonna happen turn the um, heating up mate get the thermostat dialed around to the right <laughs> maybe that is it maybe that is all it is and i just need to do it regularly um but yeah one way or other i'll be better prepared this year good Definitely. well we we look forward to seeing how you get on there mate but listen congratulations it's uh you're a very very popular local athlete and now national athlete for a reason and i tell you what you win ironman uk mate your name's on your name's on the list forever that's it's going oh. down in history and i'm really it couldn't happen to a nicer guy mate we're really chuffed for you thank you very much Rob. really nice that i appreciate it thank you all right buddy we'll speak to you again soon after kona then i hope yeah definitely I appreciate yeah i love that thanks mate so held that's a get this 62 tooth big ring chain ring at the front no small ring <laughs> on a course Ooh. where everyone i know even the decent bikers are putting bigger cassettes on the back to go with their 34s on the front brian's like yeah never used a little ring so we just took it off i don't think i could even do you, i don't no. think i'd even be able to push it on the flat no it's just it's staggering isn't it it's, <laughs> it's just awesome <laughs> i love that and it, rob the the interesting comments there at the very end um well we will have an interview with Sam Braun, who is the race director for Ironman UK, um, coming up in a, a little bit later on in the program. So listen out for that because there are some uh, it's interesting things in that interview. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. It's good to get brilliant, as always, to get Brian on. And then fantastic that we've got Emma, the women's winner shortly, and Sam Braun, the race director of Ironman UK, because there was a lot of criticism after 
because of the it's like a 17 percent dnf rate mm. so he talks about that i mean that is a that's a massive drop off yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely brutal course. I think it'd be interesting for people to get the race director's point of view, actually. So, uh, yeah, stick around for that later on, everyone. All right, so coach's couch this week, Hells. I thought this might be a this might be a nice fitting tie, and we're going to look at reviewing your races, and we're going to look at part three of the race review document. We're going to talk about analysing your bike leg, which I thought this might tie in nice with a lot of people, whether they have made the cutoff or not at Ironman UK. Because it's like a super, super hard course on the bike. And so many of our club mates have said, haven't they? Yeah. They're super disappointed. They've worked loads on the runs trying to improve the marathon and then not made the cutoff on the bike. And one of my friends sort of said, look, hands in the air. I'm dead honest. I just wasn't prepared enough for the bike. And I'm really gutted because I felt like my marathon had got loads stronger. And I and I never got to see that in race day. So... And it is it is really crap, isn't it? But then triathlon is it's not three separate sports. It is the three together and yeah. and that's part of finding the balance. Yeah. Alright, so first up, if you're if you're not listening to the last couple of episodes, you can download a copy of our Team Oxygenatic race review document from the link in the show notes. So download that, print it out, go through and answer all the questions on a piece of paper and get the answers written down. Because sometimes just getting stuff written down in front of you is a great way to collect your thoughts and to get the facts down on paper reviewing the bike is we're going to go through these six or seven questions that we ask you the first one is what was your confidence level in your bike fitness and ability prior to the race the second one is then what was your bike result relative to what your expectation was so again in terms of the Ironman UK the answers here might be honest and obvious mightn't they it might Mm. just be I either didn't do enough on the bike or I just had no idea that the bike was going to be as hard as that. The next thing to do, I think, is to dig into the data and have a look at what your power data says and or what your heart rate was relative to your planned numbers. And I think the key here with UK is going to be really getting down into the data and looking at how many of those really ridiculous power spikes you had to have going into and out of corners and going up and down hills. Again, look at your heart rate data if you haven't got power data. And I think a fair way to go with this is imagine that there are double the amount of spikes that your heart rate tells you if you haven't got power data because heart rate takes a little bit longer to respond. So anytime there's a spike there, that's going to mean it's going to be basically detrimental to your run performance later on. Next question is, are there any major contributing factors to either a good race or a difficult race there? So obviously we know the course is going to play a massive part in a race like Ironman UK, but you're also looking at the weather, the wind, the heat, the rain, your nutrition, hydration, equipment issues. Were you uncomfortable on the bike because you didn't have chamois cream on? Did you need a different pair? All those things go through that. So you've got a list of things for next time. Next thing to look into is to dig deeper into your nutrition and hydration. How much did you drink? Did you have enough electrolytes? Did you drop your electrolyte tablets? Because sometimes, like, if you got to the end of the bike and had an awful run, not having the electrolytes right on the bike can be a big part of feeling awful on the run later on. And again, feeling awful on the run could be the amount of calories you took in, whether it was more than you wanted or less than you wanted. Okay? And then couple of tie-ups at the end about how you felt on the bike and any other comments and again the idea of this is just collect your thoughts honestly a week after the race and then you've got something to refer back to in future because often the things that we remember a year later are not the things that we remember a few days or a week so true yeah (laughs) 
Right, so listen, once you've been through that, if you feel you haven't had the race you deserved or expected, you can um, you can book a call with me to talk through your results. I've got a couple of slots this week. Again, just click the link in the show notes. I'll call a couple of people up and we'll arrange a time where we can talk over Skype. Hopefully it'll help a couple of the listeners out. And then just a shout out to Team Oxygen Addict. We're going to give you a couple of minutes of chat from one of our team members, Natalie Duncombe, who has just won Hell's Age Group Silver at the European Sprint Duathlon. This has been her experience as a member of Team Oxygen Addicts over the last year. Hi, my name's Natalie and I've been a member of Team Oxygen Addict since October 2018. And I joined after completing my first GB Age Group event. I was a self-coached athlete um, in the lead up to that race, so I wrote my own um, run bike training programs, Um, but I found it really time consuming and stressful um, and it sort of started to take away the excitement and enjoyment of training for me. Um, I also was really struggling to fit in and recover from the volume and intensity of training that I thought I needed to be doing to improve, um, which meant that I was exhausted all of the time. And thirdly, the improvements that I been making had started to become marginal and I knew I didn't have the knowledge to be able to do anything differently to make me any better. Um, So I joined the team and I've been following Rob's coaching methodologies for the past six months now Um, and one of the big differences that I've noticed um, is that the focus of the OA um, training methodology is very much around making you a better multi-sport athlete Um, and not necessarily making you the best runner, swimmer or cyclist. Um, And I think that's a common problem that a lot of us um, self-coached age groupers face. So that's been really valuable um, in changing my attitude and approach to training. Um, A couple of the differences that I've noticed um, with what um, Rob's training plans look like compared to what I've been used to doing before. Um, is the focus of intensity on the bike. So there's some really key quality structured bike sessions that feature every week um, and they've been invaluable in improving my strength and confidence out on the road. Um, And that has been reflected in the improvements that I've seen in my FTP. So my FTP has gone up um, just short of 20% in the past six months, which I'm really pleased with. Um, One of the other differences is the approach to the long run. So... um, The long run is usually a combination of running and walking, which was really difficult for my ego to get over. Um, But after a couple of training sessions, that's actually become a really enjoyable session in the week. Um, And it's certainly improved my robustness as a runner so I can run further um, with better form um, and not need so long to recover every week, which is great um, and certainly helps with the exhaustion problems that I was having before. Um, recovery is a really big improvement that I've seen since following this training plan Um, I recover much quicker throughout the week I need fewer rest days and my recovery from races is vastly improved Um, and I think one of the other things that I was um, concerned about um, was the absence of fast running Um, and that combined with the run walk approach to the long run I couldn't see how I was going to get any faster but um, I've certainly been proved wrong and this time last year my 5k time was just short of 20 minutes um, and I am now within touching distance of running a 19 minute or faster 5k so um, that's been great Um, so I'm training fewer hours across more days, um, less intensity, and my improvements have, uh, or my performance improvements have gone up significantly. Um, and I'm feeling fitter and faster and more mentally prepared. And I just hope that all of the hard work pays off on race day.
All right, Hells, let's move into our interview with uh, with the women's winner, Emma Hatsis. It sounds like you had a great chat with her. Oh, it was really interesting to hear her story. Um, so Emma, yep, won the, won the female race, but she also won the military division at Ironman UK in Bolton. So we hear a little bit more about that. She didn't just win the women's military division. She actually won the whole That's thing. Awesome. But Yeah, really, really awesome. But it's... It, this wasn't her first time at Bolton. It was her third time there. And it's just fascinating to hear about her improvements over the past few years. It's really inspiring. So here we go. Here is the interview with the women's winner, Emma Hatsis. It was, well, one of the most memorable races I think I'll probably ever have. Um, absolutely fantastic, exhilarating, challenging, emotional, uh, sort of all the emotions in one day. But yeah, fantastic, a fantastic day um, in Bolton. Was winning Ironman UK your goal? Uh, no. So my goal very much was um, I'd, I'd actually entered the military division um, of the race because for the first time, I think um, the military division category had come to Ironman UK. So I entered wanting to race for the military and the goal was to try and win my age group and qualify for the world championships. Um, that was definitely the, the number one goal um, with a sort of, I suppose, a stretch goal of seeing if I could make it onto the podium as um, as, a, as a female competitor. So you totally <laughs> outsmashed your goal. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a really surreal co- conversation with my coach the night before um, and him just saying, Emma, just, just have a little think about what would happen if you were the person to break the tape tomorrow and I just laughed at him and thought that he'd gone mad um and put that firmly to the back of my mind but um maybe I should have trusted my coach and he knew a little bit more about my data than I did at the time when did you know that you were going to win I came out of the water I think in about sixth or seventh position um which again, that's, I was was much better than I thought because I'd say swimming isn't probably my strongest discipline. Um, and then um, whizzed through a few, few people in transition, and quite early on in the bike, I think probably within the first ten miles, um, somebody shouted at me on the course that I was second female, um, which I was, was really surprised by. And then um, I think caught up with the, the lead female maybe within the first um, fifteen miles of the race. And then I felt like very much like the hair for the for the rest of it. And sort of as people know, if you're racing Ironman, you don't want to get too excited on the bike because there's a there's a little little run to to finish it off. So um, I think I I knew my strength is my my running and thought, well, if I can just cling on to the bike, then just maybe maybe um, you know I'll be able to carry on for the run. So I suppose quite early on, but you know it's a it's a very long day and anything can happen. It was a bizarre bizarre emotion. On the run, you said that you felt like the the hair. Were you just thinking, I've just got to keep going now? Like, you know, oh my, you know, reality, I am going to be winning this unless something goes pear-shaped. Yeah, very much so. I, I, I think I, I'm always very relieved when you get off the bike because you know that any sort of mechanical part of the race that could go wrong, hopefully, you know, won't after that point. So I just remember getting off the bike and actually just being so absolutely sort of thrilled um to be in the lead and to be given um a bicycle to follow me uh, that I just thought you know what I'm just going to go for this and um again every time I saw my coach he kept saying 
just just get into a rhythm Emma just you know just get into a groove and I, I knew that it was his way of telling me to slow down in the first few miles but I just couldn't seem to slow myself down because I was so excited um, and then I the beauty of the the Bolton courses um, there's a lot of out and backs and you start seeing people and gauging um, how close other competitors are to you um, so I think I knew that as long as nothing disastrous happened and I could just carry on that maybe I had it in the bag. You ran a 3.22 off the bike. Is that what you, you were aiming for? The goal was a 3.15 and I, I was pretty close to that. I had it, unfortunately, in the last three miles, if you look at my time splits, I had a few um, digestive tract issues, we say, shall we say. So um slowed myself down after a few trips to the Portalese for the last three miles. Um, but yeah, I, I, was, I was still pleased with, with the run especially off the back of what was a pretty lumpy bike course. Pretty lumpy. I like the I like the description there. So you, <laughs> this wasn't your first time at Ironman UK. For you, how did it compare to previous years? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was it was third time for me racing at, at Ironman UK um and uh it it was it was tough. Uh, it, it was a definitely a challenging bike course. Um I think it was it was it was a beautiful course. Um, it was relentless. It was there's there's an awful lot of uh, climbing, which is one half of it, but then a lot of very steep descents, which I think um, was the one thing that I was having driven the bike course the day before. It was the thing that I was a little bit more nervous about, um, just because I knew that that's where you could really lose some time if you if you can technically descend, and some of them were pretty technical. So um, it, yeah. Uh, without a doubt the toughest bike course I've, I've raced on um but beautiful and fantastic at the same time what's made the difference then for you Emma do you think because so you did it in 2016 your first Ironman we'll talk about that shortly 2017 you came back clearly you love Bolton um and what you were 20 minutes quicker and then yeah. this year so 11 21 in 2017 and then this year 10 39 on what is now you know everyone knows has been a lot harder course for starters i uh took up coaching with uh try training harder um 18 months ago so i think 18 months ago i decided that i really liked long course racing and i'd like to give it a, a proper go and uh without a doubt i think the, the coaching element for me has just been invaluable so i instantly I mean I, I work full-time and I, I just wanted to get as much um, good quality training that I could possibly fit into a, a working week which I know lots of people try and do when they're racing uh, or, do, or doing triathlon and so um, having that structure that routine um, knowing that every session I was doing was was a key one I think um, without a doubt has 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 helped and probably where I've started to see the improvements and I, there's not really been a magic formula if I'm honest it's just been some pretty good consistent training um and just really having that end goal in sight which as I mentioned before was was qualifying for the world champs so um I guess yeah in answer a, a goal and and just consistency it's fantastic though I mean the improvements say since 2017 when you did a one you know nearly a 114 swim and then this year like a 101 
Um, I, well, what the, with swimming, I, I think, as I, I mentioned to you um, earlier, I, I hadn't even raced a triathlon when I decided to sign up for my first Ironman. And the last time I'd probably competitively swam a length up and down the pool was when I was 13 years old. So um, it was definitely probably the more, more daunting of the, the three disciplines. But um, I've, I've joined a local swim club. Um, so we, we have a master swim club and I get up early two or three mornings a week. And I think just, again, training with, with a group and making training fun again. And I got, I've gone from sort of slightly dreading swim training to looking forward to it in the early mornings. So that's, that's definitely helped. And have you always been a really strong runner? Um, well, nothing notable to my name at all. Um, I've always enjoyed running um, and, and run as a hobby uh, my whole, I guess, my whole adult life. But um, I, I suppose I think I... It's probably I wouldn't say I'm the strongest runner out there, but I, I can run quite well off a bike. So um, again, we've not had to play around too much with my run, just getting in some good, consistent long runs as part of my weekly routine. Um, I think it's really helped. I do a lot of run commuting, so I uh, will run to work, which is about uh, 10 miles, and then run back in the evening, which is you know a great way to get in the big miles, but at the same time fit it around your working life, which is which really helps. It's just, it's really, it's really, really impressive. It's, it's awesome to see the the improvements that you've made. And I mean, did you when you when you did the first Bolton, so twenty sixteen? Did did you imagine? Did you get to the finish line and think, oh, that was brilliant? I'm I'm on it again right away next year. Love this. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, I think you know there's something pretty magical about the events that Iron Man puts on anyway. And I remember finishing and and exactly as you said just the bug instantly got me and I think it was almost within a week I'd signed up to my next event um and again you know quite naively just hadn't given any thought about that maybe you need to recover from these things or um what what you need to do to get yourself you know to to the start line for another race but no I it was instant for me I've absolutely loved it and um I love the fact that that you know, the training itself just gives you a wonderful consistency to your week. And um, I, I, re- I I love the com- competitive side of it, actually. Um, I know a lot of people, um, you know, like to, to do things for, well, for fun as well. But as in uh, the competition is what really gets me. I, I, I love being on the start line and all those months of training coming together and um, just giving it everything you've got. Has that been a new thing or have you always been competitive? <laughs> I've always been very competitive. I think maybe this is just the first time it's been channeled into something. So um, <laughs> it's always been there, but um, sort of first time I've had to, uh, or I'm getting to start to enjoy competing. And I think I, that really only, only sort of started to fall into place for me last year, I think, when um, I actually thought I do want to really try and compete in triathlon um, and especially as I keep saying the iron man distance and um, so I think that that was another thing that was that drive that actually oh I, I'd really like to see how far I can take this um, so I think that's been one of the, the the big changes as well just mentally. And did you do any sport when you were younger? Um, when I was younger I, I was quite active I've always sort of as I said a running background not not that coordinated so it wasn't really into all the ball sports um, but the way I got into cycling was when I was at university I decided at the time to buy a road bike with a, a friend of mine we both bought a road bike and you know it was quite a new concept back then and we had a, sum, a spare summer and decided to um, just fly our 
raid bikes out to the Alps and cycle through the Alps, do everything, uh, start in Nice and then finish in Geneva. And, you know, unwittingly cycled with rucksacks on and camping every night and no <laughs> shoes, no lycra in sight. We cycled sort of pretty much all the big famous coals and climbs of the Alps, but completely sort of not realizing what we were doing. And so that's how I fell into uh, cycling. <laughs> um, and yeah, it started off as just a very fun, casual hobby in a way of seeing some beautiful mountains and climbing and then uh, realized that I actually quite wanted to start doing a little bit more of it in a competitive environment. So then did you do a bit of um, racing before then you signed up to Bolton that first no, time? No, um, no, I didn't with cycling. I, I think I just sort of fell in love with the romantic aspect of cycling. So I, I did a lot of cycle tours, you know, I'd cycle across the country. I took my bike out to the Himalayas and cycled as far as I could to Everest Base Camp um, and just random stuff where it was like cycle exploration. Um, and so I thought, I knew I could sort of sit on a bike for hours on end. Um, but actually, the, the one thing I did really struggle with was the, the switch to having to then try and cycle for performance. Um, and again, it's been through, um, some, you know, a lot of coaching and investments in a power meter and stuff like that that's um, made me really have to switch from taking my bike for, for a beautiful ride to actually going out there and focusing on watts and power and uh, performance which um, I've actually slowly come to really enjoy over the last couple of years as well. <laughs> this is this is good to hear I'm I'm still quite the big fan of the uh, you know pizza and gelato stops um, <laughs> on my you bike. And... Life too seriously. On a bike. <laughs> exactly yet to invest in a power meter. Um, <laughs> Is your coach now your husband? Yes. So I'm coached by um, Philip Hatsis, who is, who's the founder of Try Training Harder. And um, we got married earlier this year in May. Um, so yes, he, he he was my, I asked, I actually sort of strangely, so I, I met him through, a, through um, one of his training camps in Portugal and then um, wanted to be coached by Try Training Harder um, and specifically wanted to be coached by him um, because I really respected him as a coach um, as well. So it, was, it wasn't it was a sort of default thing. I, I sat on a waiting list and, and, and waited to be coached by him, um, which, but I, I you know, it's, we're, we are, seem to be very good at the moment anyway at compartmentalizing our lives. So we have our normal married life and then we have our coaching uh, relationship, which we, we do try and ring fence. And, you know, at the moment it works extraordinarily well for us and I, I really respect him as a coach um, and obviously as my partner as well but um, yeah without a doubt um, a big this sort of sudden change I suppose is, is, is down to his coaching. You said that you got married in May is the honeymoon going to be Hawaii or have you been on honeymoon yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I was saying this was a, a fairly unconventional build-up to you know I'm at UK which was my A race for the season and six weeks out we um had a lovely wedding and then went to italy for our honeymoon and um obviously didn't do any training um for, for that period uh ate an awful amount of uh, pizza and ice cream which was absolutely fantastic um so we did have our honeymoon but it really um interestingly taking that break um you know sort of six weeks out from a big race turned out to be one of the best things because by the time i came back i was so hungry to get back into a well not actually hungry because I didn't say enough pizza to last me the rest of the year but I was just really desperate to get back into my training and I think it it really um sort of 
fired me up to come back and I was refreshed and ready to go and had a really excellent sort of four-week block then leading into Ironman UK. So, um, you know, sometimes taking a break and just reassessing everything was one of the best, can be, you know, the best thing. I think that's so valuable because, you know, a lot of people listening to this might panic at that stage you're thinking oh I don't know if I've actually quite done enough da, 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 da. and you can really get into a bit of a tiz and actually the fatigue can really really hit around that point especially if you've been going you know all winter so yeah it must you know I, I think that's a really refreshing approach yeah and I you know I, again I suppose it was carefully um scheduled but exactly as you said I remember coming back after sort of two weeks away and going to one of my early morning master swim sessions and some of my my friends who are you know were also in training they were you know they're pretty tired it was that time of the season where your volume's quite high if you've got a big race coming up midsummer. and I remember just thinking oh I'm probably a little bit less fit right now but I was you know super excited to get back into everything and um I think yeah it, it's sometimes just having that confidence to just really you know, take some time out and then go back to it, you know, can be really great. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I do triathlon as a, as an amateur and uh, for fun as a hobby. And you sometimes just have to take that step back to realize that that's what it is. And, and you, know, you can still have big goals and, and not, you don't need to put that much pressure on yourself. You can, you can take a break every now and again. So Kona next. Yes. on the cards are you <laughs> how are you going to sort of approach approach that um so I've just about come down from my high and starting to think about um yeah the about Kona um uh I think it's definitely going to be a bit of a sit down with my coach but it's um I was very lucky actually and I went out to to Kona two years ago as a spectator um which I think has really helped me because I, I watched the race unfold. I experienced it all and sort of saw what the elements were like. So the sort of shock of being a first timer out there, I think, you know, I'm lucky to have experienced it. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm actually, I think my race at Ironman UK has really boosted my confidence and um, I'm going to go out there with, with, you know, realistic expectations, but I think I'm pretty excited to get into the next block of training and really, see what I can what can happen over the next few weeks so um not sure I'm not sure I know my goal yet but I I think you know you've got to go and give it everything you can in the back in the back of your mind it's probably there do, do you race in as an age grouper and in the military division or just in the military division how, no, how does that work yeah so interestingly um you know you race as within the military division so um I will race under that category and you you can't then race as an age grouper so um I I, I mean yeah my my goal is to go out there and and try and win the um female military division category um and then I don't think anything on top of that would be an absolute bonus and see if you can chick any guys like you did in Bolton <laughs> along the way that's always a good thing to be able to do <laughs> <laughs> I should actually say you did win the military division outright at Bolton so that means you beat yeah you beat all the men and women <laughs> yeah I know that was a that was a um a, well a, ni a nice surprise as well but I think it's always it's always quite a nice feeling to be able to go and check some of the guys out there so um that's always a goal in life <laughs> have you have you had any um uh, I, I guess your male sort of colleagues have, have just 
congratulated you. Has there been any banter from them? Uh, yeah, or have you given them any stick? <laughs> um, there's been a bit of banter. I went back to work and, and I do work at the moment in an all-male environment and um, they've stopped asking if they want me or if I want to go on a bike ride with them. So I think um, I keep telling them it's because they're now scared. But <laughs> uh, but no, they've all been fantastic. And I, I yeah, there's, there's always there's some great banter in the military anyway. Um, I can't wait to uh, follow what happens in Hawaii enjoy the you know the downtime over the next week or two and um yeah and then enjoy the build-up yeah no thank you um yeah i'm really excited it's going to be an exciting exciting few months coming up for sure so another interviewee who will be heading for kona in october it's very exciting isn't it yeah that's great super impressive to win the overall military division very, cool, very impressed. Yeah, she did a great job. And it's also amazing to hear like her progression over a, what would that be then, a, a three-year period from 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, I love, I love any story where somebody like comes into the sport, gets passion for it, and then really applies themselves. And it's so rare that people actually get to see their full potential. And who knows, maybe there's even more to come in the tank for her yet. And I think there is. I yeah. really do. I think there's a lot more. So yeah, it, it's, it's great. And yeah, I really enjoyed the doing the interview with her. So good work, Emma, and uh, good work, Phil, as well. Good stuff. All right, so shout out to our sponsors, Food Cell. I've had loads of positive comments through from people who use the Food Cell Ironman UK. Loads of my friends suffered with the old ejected bottle from the back bottle cage on that course. <laughs> and people were saying, at least I got to keep my solids and my gels on my bike because they were safely tucked inside the Food Cell. So brilliant top tube nutritional carrier that bolts securely onto your top tube bolts if your bike's got those or it straps on with velcro tubes you can open and close it with one finger to get your gel or your food out i actually use mine to keep my spares kit in and it perfectly fits in a tube two tire levers two co2s and all the little bits and bobs and gadgets i carry as well so you can go over and check them out at foodcell.co.uk the price has been reduced by five pounds down to 39.99 And again, they've got a competition on. You can win a free entry to Outlaw X, which is taking place on Sunday, the 22nd of September at Thorsby Park in Nottinghamshire. If you buy a food cell between now and August the 7th, 2019, simply tick the box at checkout to be entered into the prize draw. All right. Can I tell you one thing? Can I tell you before? Yeah, yeah, go on. So um, Rich, the lovely Rich, um, went and cycled the Outlaw X bike course yesterday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he said... He, honestly he came back home and he was buzzing he said it's amazing it's so beautiful like it's a really good course he said that there are a few a few little cheeky climbs yeah. but he said the descents are long and you can he said the fast bikers are really gonna smash it <laughs> so really yeah. beautiful wide open roads around there as well we drove them when we went down to have a chat with ian the race director a few weeks ago and yeah, yeah. I, I backed that up it's a beautiful course yeah, he said it's just going to be really good. So he was full of excitement about Outlaw X. And I know that they've still got spaces. So if you are looking for a race a little bit later on in the season, then you could do worse than checking out um, the Outlaw X options. Yeah, good. I might uh, I might put a cheeky little entry in myself, Hells, and go and have a little rad around there, I think. End of season oh, fun. Rob, do it. Do you fancy it? 
<laughs> I'm, no, I'm in uh, I'm in Italy. I'm afraid. Oh uh, yeah, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, Ralph, I would have I would have been there, but um, actually, I'm not afraid. I'm in Italy. I'm really looking forward to Italy, but <laughs> and I'm not racing. <laughs> I'm Love there it. as a race host. All right, so we have got a couple more interviews for you now that we're going to run back to back. First up, we've got your brilliant interview with race director Sam Braun. So we hear all about his views on the bike course, the DNF rate, all that stuff. And then uh, a few minutes of interview with a local age grouper called Paul Fisher. So here we go. And listener to the show as well. Listener to the show. Awesome. So we'll run these two back to back. So Sam, how did Bolton go for you? Yeah, I think, Helen, it was probably one of the the best Boltons we've had. It's certainly one of the largest. We introduced Night Run this year where we had a five-kilometre fun run event on the Friday night, which had over 700 athletes. We then had the world's largest Iron Kids once again with 3,100. And then on the Sunday, we had a a brilliant Ironman uh, event. And the conditions held up for us. We're fortunate we didn't have too much sun, little to no rain. So the conditions were great, uh, and a great event was held. Did it have a different vibe, do you think, without having a pro race this year? I think there certainly was a different vibe. I wouldn't say it was was better or worse. I think it really put the, the stage and cleared the stage for age groupers in the military division. I think the military division was a great uh, opportunity to, to showcase some great athletes who are in the armed forces or, or alike and what they had in their kind of category and, and wave as such was a, a really good race and we had some really good times posted by them so that was really interesting to see and I think the exciting thing this year is what we got to call a an age group of the champion of, of Ironman UK which is first time ever as well so that was really cool. Can you remind people why wasn't there a pro race in Bolton this year? Uh, the pro races are now going to be uh, kind of shared between multiple events it was obviously a first year event in uh, Spain with Ironman Vitoria and uh, kind of a new global initiative is to swap uh, races in and out with either a pro field of, of males or a pro field of females or a joint um, depending on the race and the, the date of which it is. Obviously we had Klagenfurt the week before in Zurich uh, this weekend now which are obviously big attractors of, of pro fields and with Vitoria being a new race it was deemed that hey look we'll, we'll push people into that this year and next year the pros will come back to Bolton okay so it is it could so then it will you know there will be future pro races in Bolton absolutely yeah yeah this is not a kind of standard now that Bolton will just become an age group race there's a a kind of plan in place for the next couple of years uh, between ourselves and other events across EMEA to do a flip-flop system if if you will uh, for pro athletes did um did Bolton sell out this year uh, pretty much. I think we were just a couple of places short of where we were for the 10-year anniversary. I think in light of the fires that we had in 2018 and the kind of big 10-year anniversary, we were always expecting to be there or thereabouts. Um, but yeah, we, we came very close. Wales, on the other hand, like Wales has sold out, hasn't it? Wales sold out a, a long time before. Yeah, beforehand. I think Wales is a is one for the bucket list um i think it's it's at the right time of year you're not up against too many uh other big races across the the kind of emir stage um the biggest races then are kona and, and things like this so wales will always attract 
the athletes in the tail end of the season and maybe they've they haven't done well or, or they want to have another chance at another full distance because they've had done a 70.3 or they've not had the day they wanted in another Ironman event. And I think that's always been the main driver for Wales. Um, and then I, I think we've had some really tough conditions the last few years. So I think people want to kind of tick that one off. And with the 10 year anniversary coming up next year of, of Wales, I think people are kind of pushing themselves into that this year to, to get a, an insight and a view what I should also say as well that Wales has the kind of very first few slots for Kona the following year so we see a big drive in in athletes there to get the Kona slot and have a full year to train in uh, Bolton this year obviously there were there were changes made to the course I was looking back through the results and I counted up sort of 278 DNFs so did not finish that might be a little bit wrong I might have lost a little bit of count on the way is that higher than normal yeah 17% is the the drop-off rate uh, for this year it was higher than previous years uh, I think we've always said it's been it's going to be a challenging course it was a challenging course it was never our intention to make it too challenging for people and I think yeah look this year we did have a, a higher dropout rate um, than usual but I think it is part and parcel of what uh, Iron Man is about, really. Do, do you feel a bit sorry for any of the people, for, you know, for some of the people who who do train for sort of like nine, nine or twelve months, and then, and then they don't make that finish line? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I would love for every athlete to finish the race. It's not my intention to, to kind of make a course which is too challenging for people to not fulfil a dream. The reason, main reason why I've been in this job for nine nine years now is um to help people get across that finish line and and fulfill a dream i've seen people and i know people who've been training for numerous years to get to this point who've been inspired by a 70.3 race and then come through and worked up to to an iron man so yeah of course it kills me inside to see people not making that cut off and I, i think if you read some of the comments and some of the emails we get back saying oh I do it on purpose to to not allow people to to reach their goal. That's that's crazy for me. I'm always there to try and and allow people to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. This year, yeah, it was a tough course, but we had to make some changes due to the the fires that we saw last year. We didn't want to have a repeat of that. We certainly didn't want to have a second year of a potentially a shorter course. So we opened up ourselves last year to some new. Some new avenues. I think what people don't always re- realise as well is it's just not one council we work with. We work with six other kind of local authorities and councils, and we all have to be singing off the same hymn sheet as to what course we have, which kind of prevents people from uh, residents from being locked in for the a day essentially on on some parts of the course from kind of 9 a.m. and through until 4 4:30. So we have to be very conscious of this. And this year, the route we went for was is kind of agreed in, in part by all the local authorities. Of course, if we look through into the future, we will be reviewing this year's course. Um, and we'll see what happens after that kind of review process. Do you think there will be changes again for 2020? Uh, we, we don't proactively go into each year looking to change a course. I think that causes too much disruption. Um, for for athletes and and for kind of 
local authorities and local residents. And I think that's what we have to remember is uh, what we, we go into an area where you don't just get free reign of a place. We have to kind of work within the parameters that we're given and and work closely with our kind of friends in the council and, and make sure we get a route which is good and safe for athletes, most importantly. Um, and then kind of building on, on that for future years so then there is kind of a consistency level across the, the kind of future years as a um, as a as a race director do you like do you complete the course in terms of physically yeah not not, not obviously not on the day but like in, in the run-up to it I, well the honest answer is no i haven't i'm not the biggest um cycling enthusiast truth be told put me in a, a wetsuit and ch- chuck me in pennington flash and i'll be all over it cycling is not my forte what about the future of ironman uk do you think it has a like i i've done the race i did it in 2016 i absolutely loved it and i often say to people you know if i was going to go back and do another one i'd go back to bolton quite happily what do you think the future of ironman uk looks like I think we're we're looking to just kind of build on the successes that we've had in previous years. Um, when I first started kind of race directing this event in 2015, 2016, we went from a, a four venue race, and I've now taken that down to a, a two. Now people would argue it is a three because Queen's Park is it's kind of 800 meters out of town. But for me, that's a it's a two venue race. Um, we've grown the field from from 2000 to two and a half um we've had a 10-year anniversary we've added in a night run uh five kilometer race we'll look to increase that we'll look to make this a a kind of multi-festival kind of sporting event rather than a standalone ironman event on that sunday so uh, for me that the biggest thing here is that we we take the and we build on the successes of, of last week's event and we kind of move forward and we create the best event we can for age groupers, we put on a good pro platform in future years and just look to grow and, and build the flagship UK event really and make it kind of a big big contender for, for one of the best races in the world really. Would it always stay in and around sort of Bolton or the North West or do you reckon it might go elsewhere? We have a, a contract in place for a multi-year, um, we have a multi-year contract I should say for the next few years in place with with Bolton so we have absolutely no intention to leave a place where there is good support as a host kind of venue absolutely fantastic facilities in and around the local area a brilliant backdrop with the town hall I mean the event is fairly kind of well built within Boltonians now as well so as far as I'm concerned I would have no intention to to leave that area and, and move away absolutely not Looking ahead to Ironman Wales, um, obviously you've got a few weeks now. Do you get excited every year about the buzz of Tembu because it is just it's it's on another level, isn't it? How can you not? How can you not get excited? <laughs> I mean, we, we kind of estimate twenty thousand to twenty five thousand spectators at Swim Start um, this year. The extra excitement with Facebook Watch and the Facebook Now program that we have. Well, I think last year in Bolton we had five and a half million viewers across that race so we're kind of excited to see what what wales brings i think the difference between wales and and bolton is that wales is a tiny town which is fairly famous for 
it's RNLI building, which was once on Grand Designs, and Iron Man. So for us to be this the kind of big pinnacle flagship event for Wales and be such a big part of a small town and, and local surrounding area, it's, it's kind of hard not to become kind of excited and, and giddy in truth with, with that event. It's if, For anyone who hasn't been, it's a, it's a fantastic location. It's absolutely postcard, picturesque. Uh, any kind of adjective you want to use there is is kind of suitable, but it, it's absolutely superb. And we, we as a team are buzzing to go back and we're really excited for September. Do you think part of the success there and, you know, I guess very different logistics to Bolton is that actually, you know, in Tembe, you bump into anybody and they will know or they will have completed the Ironman. So they totally embrace it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's not entirely fair to compare Bolton and Tembe, it's kind of comparing apples and pears. Uh, Tembe is a very small town in the the kind of normal day-to-day life. There's kind of 10,000 beds, it's estimated. And then during the summer, it increases to to 80,000, 90,000, which kind of is testament to that location in itself, that it can influx this amount of people throughout a summer period. But you're absolutely right. I think when we first started down there in 2011, nobody had heard of Ironman. And that first year we had 260 uh, to 280 local kind of residents with a 10B postcode racing. And I think year on year that number has stayed the same. And we're down to about 10 or 11 athletes who have raced every single one since 2011. So each year new residents or or new kind of uh, people to that area are coming in and, and witnessing a 10B be Iron Man and then see all of them combined. So it's it's a phenomenal feeling down there. Do you think that this year, because the Kona qualifying system has changed for, for the pro athletes, um, do you think that will sort of impact on the pro fields that you get there now? Yeah, I think Wales will always be up against Kona in that sense. And what we also have is the 70.3 world champs in Nice now this year, uh, which is the week before, I think, off, off the top of my head. So the, the pro race is always an interesting one in terms of Kona slots. I think, look, for those who, who are, are gunning for the Kona slot, Wales is a great race to, to get up against it and and kind of cement your, your position a year in advance as well. So there's that dynamic in that respect. So the Wales kind of pro list is always a hotly contended one. Um, we always have some some good athletes racing, and it's always a, a kind of true, honest, and and gritty pro race, which is exciting as well. Especially this year with the um, Facebook Watch stuff, I think that will in- attract a lot of good pro athletes as well, who will be able to get their name on the the big screen as well. If you had one tip for someone who is going to be doing Ironman Wales for the first time this year as race director, and and you knowing it, you know, since. 2011 what would your one tip be uh, I, I would give two tips okay first you, you tip allowed is, to sam <laughs> okay uh first tip is definitely enjoy and embrace the whole experience 10b ironman is not just a, a one-day event it's a full week if you go down into any restaurant any bar any local attraction or, or area and you're wearing a piece of ironman clothing be prepared to to be grilled about how you feel you're going to do certainly if you're a foreign athlete or someone who's never done it you will be absolutely adored down there 
Um, the second piece of advice is go down and train on the course beforehand. The sea swim is absolutely fantastic. Pretty much all year round we have athletes racing down there and especially on a bike course as well. Uh, when we first started down there, you would, you would hardly see any cyclists. Now you go down and you can see 50 to 60 at any one point around the course. Uh, either they're on training rides or they're just out with a group just practicing a section of the course. I'd say it's super important to get to know what you're going to be racing up against in the next kind of, well, now 60 days or so until the race. So if you get a chance, absolutely pop down, make a weekend of it and enjoy it because Tenby just embraces Ironman. And can we expect to see any new 70.3 or full distance events um, in the UK slash Ireland over the next year or two? I'd never say never, Helen. We're, we're essentially always on the lookout and keeping our kind of ears to the ground about any upcoming kind of acquisitions that can be made or or potential venues which we would like to talk to or would like to talk to us. We are always open. Um, but what I'd say is just watch this space in the future. Um, growth and triathlon is certainly two words that go together. Um, so we're, we're excited for the future. And um, yeah, just watch this space. That's a very diplomatic, uh, diplomatic answer. So we, we will, we will watch this space. Sam, thank you so much. Cheers, Helen. Thank you. I've uh, finished UK three times and Wales once. Brilliant. So you've done what was the toughest, and now what is possibly now the toughest. So first of all, yeah. then, how how was Ironman UK 2019? Really good. Really good. It was a. Uh different to what I've been used to when I've done it before but the bike course is certainly different it's a lot a hell of a lot harder there's a lot of ups and not that many downs though it seems so <laughs> or the, the downs are a lot quicker and shorter than the ups are had you been able to train a lot on the new course no considering I live quite near it I've, I've only been out on it once uh, really so I wasn't really that used to it Time-wise, what you've done it three times then at UK. What, yeah. What have your bike splits been in those on those three occasions? Well, I mean, it's hard to compare really because first year I did, I think, 6.29. Then last year was the shortened course. And then this year was 7.45. But I, I did stop and help someone who had a puncture and couldn't get the tyre back on this time. But only between five and ten minutes and I'm not quite as fit as I was two years ago so it's hard to, hard to compare really but I, it was, I was an hour and a quarter slower than before it did make a big difference did it feel like you were on the bike for an hour you know an hour and a quarter longer no not really I think what's good about the course is that for the last 10 miles back into Bolton you've got quite a bit of a breather especially on your second lap once you've hit sheep house which you've got quite a bit of good support at the bottom and then the wrestlers at the top when you back into Bolton then there's good support all the way back down so you, I don't know I didn't, didn't really notice being out there longer did it feel like there was more support no no not at all the, the support was nowhere near as good I mean I don't know if it's because it was that much used to the old course but the support on the old course seemed a lot better I think possibly because it was a lot easier to get to for people. You didn't have Babylon Lane with Charlie Try and Colt. 
So th- there was a couple of places where on the first lap was quite well supported, but by the second lap, for me, <laughs> there wasn't anybody there. How did the new course compare to the bike course at Ironman Wales? A lot tougher, I'd say. At, at Wales, you you do seem to have some long, long downhills where you can recover, where on that course, you, you, you're going up and up and up, and then you seem to be down very quick before you start climbing again and again. And the climbs are not really massively hard or steep, but they just seem to go on and on and on. I, I was talking, funnily enough, I was chatting to a lad from Pembrokeshire who... He said he wouldn't be coming back again. <laughs> he said the Welsh course is definitely a lot easier. Would you do it again? Uh, yeah, well, I would, yeah. yeah. It's in this area where I'm from, and there is a lot of people on the course. And you, I think that's the good thing about try. You meet people from other other clubs, like Charlie, for instance, and Colt, and you see that people on the course. And you see a lot of people when I did Wales. I didn't really see anyone on you out on the course maybe one or two but there weren't many where you're quite familiar with the course up here and you do see a lot of people especially on the run who you know did you think it was too tough no i wouldn't say so i mean i, I mean i didn't train i haven't trained as much as I, I have for the last couple of years through one thing or another but i think it's definitely manageable and if you put the training in you'd be able to do it. It's an Ironman, isn't it? It's not... It's uh, meant to be tough, but it's, I wouldn't say it's too tough, no. What about your club mates or other other friends? Did How did they find the, the new course this year? But it's funny because uh, we met up on Monday and a, a few of the lads, they was like, oh, never again, never again. And then the, the text today have been, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so... Everyone on the day was like, oh, it was hard, it was hard. But I think now everyone's recovered a bit. They're thinking, go back and beat me time. So it's not as bad as people making out, I don't think. So there we go, Rob. Paul thinks, no, it wasn't too tough. He just had to be prepared for it. And he has done, you know, Ironman UK. It was his third year. He's done Wales as well. Um, I did ask him, uh, at one point I was like are you going to do like Kalmar or something next year or he's like no I'm actually going to do Lanzarote so I think Paul just loves a tough course yeah yeah I th- well do you know what there's been a huge amount of chatter hasn't there on social media and it's this interesting question can a bike course be too tough in an Ironman and I, I personally I love the fact that they've made the course really really tough I love the fact that there are so many there are so many courses you can go to that you hear all these complaints about drafting and packs and stuff you're definitely not going to get that at Ironman UK as long as people can stay safe on the course I think that's the big question isn't it and again it's not down to whether or not the bike course is too tough it's down to people's bike handling and whether it's safe on some of those descents riding around so real real tough um, challenges that an organizer faces trying to route a bike course within the parameters of certain local councils. It's something that we yeah. don't understand, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, as Sam was saying, he he would want everyone to be able to get to the finish line. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't make a course and then 
people do DNF and yeah I, I mean day, clearly I it was a we've, lot harder yeah, we've, we've not got any idea how hard it is to work with councils to get permissions and they might just go yes you can have these roads no you can't have them. we've got no idea have we no so no. it's and let's not forget 112 miles is a lot of road to try and find for people to to ride around in circles on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it's so it's interesting and um at the end there saying about when i said so oh, is there going to be you know anything new from iron man in the uk or ireland over the next year or two mm. uh, i reckon there might be really well from what just from the reaction yeah. Just like watch this space. I'm thinking, yeah. well, we'll watch this space. <laughs> There's been chatter, hasn't there, for years about doing a full distance race up in Scotland and and can that be managed? And that would be, I think that would make for a great iconic, yeah, you know, like a, a Scottish full distance race. Ironman Scotland would be brill if they that can find the venue for it and get, yeah. the, get the weather and the midges. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that, the big challenge would be wiping the midges off your, your aero visor. <laughs> oh, <I'll be> <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you just kind of come back into the run and just be covered in black things, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, nice, brilliant. nice. Yeah. All right. So super bumper edition. I hope you've enjoyed that. It might have got you through, who knows, maybe even two long runs this week. And we'll be back again, as usual, next week. Thanks again to our sponsors, precisionhydration.com, foodcell.co.uk and teamoxygenaddict.com. And thanks for listening. Until next week, I'm Coach Rob Wilby. I'm Helen Murray. And have a great, safe training and racing week, everybody. We'll speak to you all again soon. Cheers now. See ya. See ya.